Really uh, going right in with the message this morning. Uh, Take your Bibles, John chapter number 15. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Beginning a new series this morning. Our series is titled Abide in Me. And uh, last week I uh, encouraged you to read John chapter 15. Uh, just 27 verses, and just to kind of prepare yourself for uh, the message this morning. Anybody able to read John chapter 15? All right, good. A few of you did. Great, very good. So what I want to do today is I want to encourage you to, this week to read John chapter 15. You say, I read it last week. I want you to read it again. Uh, read it again this week. Uh, read it again. Uh, if you didn't read it last week, read it this week. Uh, read through it. This read through this chapter. This is this is such a powerful chapter, as we're going to be going through this and breaking it down. But um, in verse number four in John chapter fifteen, he says, "Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me." And so this is where we're getting our our series "Abide in Me" from. And of course, uh, we saw. Last week, we kind of finished our series on the seven I am's as we're going through the book of John on the seven I am's uh, beginning in John chapter one, uh, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And we've looked at him being the light. He is the the bread of life. He is the resurrection and the life. Uh, He is the door. He is the good shepherd. He is the uh, the way, the truth and the life. And then last week we saw the last one here in John chapter 15. I am the true vine in verse number one. And then verse number five, I am the vine. And so uh, this is kind of a continuation uh, through that series that we kind of ended of the seven I am's, but kind of continuing a, uh, or starting a new series on abide in me, but continuing in John chapter 15 here. Um, and it's such a very powerful passage of scripture. Let's begin reading in verse number one. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned." If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Notice how many times the word abide is in this passage of Scripture. Over eight times, I believe there's nine times in this passage, just in what we read, we find the word abide. It's such a powerful verse, or or such a powerful word that we're going to look in this passage of Scripture. Father, I do pray that you would just bless now as we look to your word. 
Lord, speak to our hearts through this. And Father, I pray that you just give us, uh, Lord, wisdom in truly grasping the importance of what this means to abide in you, to abide in Christ. And so, Father, we ask that you just work through this. Thank you for the great singing, the beautiful message that are in these songs, uh, Lord, about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And, Father, we ask that you just work in our hearts this morning. Just draw us closer to you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's something very interesting about this statement that he makes, abide in me. Um, Jesus says, as he's speaking to the disciples here, uh, to abide in him. Yet, if we go back and understand, we have to remember John chapter 15 is some of the last words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Sometimes as we're reading through a book of the Bible, many times we don't really picture where it's at chronologically in the, the account of Christ. But if we go back, we'll find that John chapter 13 is where Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples. So we're really at the very end of his ministry here. Uh, already at the very end of his ministry, Jesus is in the upper room and he is uh, having supper with the disciples. And then, of course, Judas is going to go out and betray him in just a moment. And we see that in John chapter 13. Uh, Judas leaves and he goes out and he's going to betray Jesus. He goes to the, uh, the Pharisees and the high priest. And so Jesus knows what is taking place. He's there with his disciples. He knows Judas has left. And then after Judas leaves, he gives that instruction that we saw uh, back at the end of chapter 13, verse number chapter 14, where Jesus tells the, the remaining disciples that uh, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go away, and, and I know that's not what you want, but I'm going to go away. And by the way, not only am I going to go away, but you're going to deny me. All of you are going to deny me. All of you are going to leave and run. And of course, they all say, no, 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 not us, Lord. No, no, we're going we're gonna to die with you. And he says, no, you're going to deny me. You're going to run away, and I'm going to die. And then I'm going to ascend into heaven, and where I go, ye cannot come right now. He says, you're not going to be able to come now. And, and they're confused, and that's why in, in, in verse number four, or chapter 14 of verse number 1, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. They're, they're concerned. Their heart is troubled with what they're hearing about Jesus going away, and they're going to deny him. And so Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. And then he tells them, of course, in verse number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so these are the last words that we really have of Jesus uh, as he's, he's about ready to, to be crucified, really, if you think about it. This is really the, uh, the night before his crucifixion. So Jesus knows that his disciples are going to betray him or that they're going to run away from him. Judas is going to betray him. Jesus knows in just a couple of hours, he is going to be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knows he's going to be taken to Caiaphas's house where he's going to be beaten. He knows he's going to be turned over to Pilate. He knows that after he's turned over to Pilate, he's going to be beaten again. He's going to take a, they're going to take a, a, a cat of nine tails and, and beat him with a cat of nine tails 40 times. He knows they're going to take that crown of thorns and place it on his head and take a rod and beat it into his skull. He knows that they're going to lead him out of the city uh, uh, of Jerusalem and up to Golgotha. And he knows they're going to lay him on a cross and they're going to nail his hands into the cross and his feet into the cross. He knows that in just a few short hours that the sin of the entire world is going to be placed upon him. He knows all of this. 
And he says, abide in me. Do you think his last words here are a little important? He's not thinking of himself. I mean, if we knew that, man, we only had a few short hours to live, we'd be thinking of all the things that we want to do. But instead, knowing that he has just a few short hours left, he begins to teach the disciples a very, very important principle. A principle that you and I must grasp today as Christians. They've left that upper room. At the end of chapter 14, Jesus says, Arise, let us go. And so they leave the upper room and they begin on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Of course, we know what's going to happen there. Jesus is going to pray for a short period of time and then Judas is going to come with that mob and they're going to arrest him. But in between the the upper room, in between as they arise and go and the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus gives these words. Abide in me. Abide in me. And again, we we would think it's, it's it's a little unusual because Jesus has just said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go away, but then he says, abide in me. How how can we abide in someone if they have gone away? Again, even though Jesus was going to leave this earth physically, he's trying to teach the disciples, he's trying to show us that he wants their normal daily life and our normal daily life to be rooted in his presence, his ongoing presence. But here's the thing we have to understand. Abiding in him is not for everyone. Now, we're going to see as we go through these weeks just how important this is to abide in Christ. But do you know that abiding in Christ is not for everyone? It's not for everyone. You see, before someone is able to abide in Him, they must be in Him. They must be in Him. In this passage, there really, as we kind of lay a foundation for this series of abiding in Christ, this message we're going to be looking at this morning is really just two invitations that are given. There are two invitations that are offered here. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. I want you to notice the first invitation. If you'll take your Bible and open, go back to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. We find the first invitation. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, the first invitation that we find is the invitation to come, to come. Jesus says, come unto me. This invitation is for everyone. This invitation is for every single person that has ever lived to come to Jesus. He says, come unto me and I will give you rest. But did you notice in those three verses that we read, 
The word rest is mentioned twice. In verse number 28, he says, Come unto me, all you that labor, and I will give you rest. And then in verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. There are two rests that Jesus offers. Two rests. The first rest is a rest for your spirit. A rest for your spirit. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Do you know that the world tries to say that, you know, as you look at the world, it's very obvious that the world is, we're in dire straits. I mean, the world is a mess today. Do you know that as the Bible tells us that every person that is born is born a sinner. They are born separated from God. They do not have a relationship with God because of that sin. And and the world and religion tries to tell people, if you'll just be good, if you'll just go to church, if you'll just get baptized, if you'll just keep the Ten Commandments, if you'll just do all of these different things, then you'll be able to be able to go to heaven one day. You'll be able to have your your sins forgiven and, and God will let you into heaven. The problem is that's not what Jesus says. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Do you notice that? All ye that labor and are heavy laden. Do you know who this is speaking of? Do you know who is, who is having this labor and heavy laden? It is every single person. Every person is burdened down with labor. Every person is burdened down with this weight. It's that, that weight of sin that separates us from God. It's very similar to how uh, John Bunyan in, the, in his famous book, The Pilgrim's Progress, describes the, the young man that he writes about by the name of Christian. And Christian has this, this burden that he's carrying around and he's looking for some way to get it off and he's trying all different types of things. And by the way, that's what the world is doing. The world is trying so many different things to get this burden off, to fill this this hole that is missing in their life. That they're they're trying everything. By the way, you know that the world not, you know, we can say, well, you know, people try drugs and alcohol to fill that void and things, and they do. But that's not the only thing that they try. They try everything. They try a job. Maybe a, a job will fill that void. Maybe money. Maybe money will fill that void. Maybe possessions will fill that void. Maybe hobbies will fill that void. Maybe drugs, maybe alcohol, maybe something else. Maybe something else that I've never even thought about before. Think about how the world has just gone crazy in the last 10 years and, uh, and, and all these different things of, uh, of this LGBTQ and all this. Why? Why is it happening? Because people are burdened down, they're heavy laden, they're looking for some answer and they cannot find it. They're looking, they're thinking that something can satisfy. And yet Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The only place that someone can truly find rest for their spirit is in Jesus Christ. Friend, you may be here today, and you may be thinking, and and I wish... I wish I could say, hey, if you come to First Baptist Church, that means you're going to go to heaven. But I can't say that. I wish I could say, hey, if you got baptized, that means you're going to go to heaven. Hey, I wish I could say, if you could just keep the Ten Commandments, or if you could do these good things, if you could just follow all these rules, I wish I could say that those things would save you, but I can't say that. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
And no man cometh unto the Father. But by, you say, but pastor, my, my religion or, or, or my, my pastor or my priest or my reverend or whatever, they said that there's something else. Listen, friend, you have to make a decision. Are you going to listen to them or are you going to listen to Jesus? Because Jesus is the one that says, I will give you rest. None of these others can offer rest. Only Jesus can. Jesus offers rest for our spirit. We know that when we accept Christ as our Savior, then He abides in us. Scripture is clear that the moment that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that He comes to live within us. The glorious truth is that not only does He live within us, But according to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5, he has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So when we put our faith in Christ, when we recognize that Jesus is the only way and we come to him by faith, not through the church, not through baptism, not through the Ten Commandments, not through something else, but only through Jesus Christ, and we put our faith in him, then he says, you can have rest for your spirit. Friend, you may be here today and you don't have rest for your spirit. Could I ask you, very simply, are you absolutely sure that if you died today, if today was the last day that you took your breath on this earth, do you know where you would be? Because if you don't, you don't have rest. You don't have that peace. You don't have that confidence knowing where you're going to be when you take that last breath. But Jesus says, can I tell you something? He offers an invitation to come. Come unto me. It's for anyone. He said, but you don't know what I've done before. It doesn't matter to him. Because when he died on the cross, he died for every single sin that you and I could ever or would ever commit. Every single one. And he says, come. Come unto me. You don't have to keep laboring. You don't have to keep that heavy burden. If you'll just come to me, he says, I will give you rest. He's the only one that has what you're looking for. Nothing else does. But he's not going to force you to take it. You have to willingly come to him. And he offers rest for your spirit. But can I say, secondly, notice there's another rest here. Not only rest for your spirit, but he says in verse number 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. There's a difference between our spirit and our soul. Our soul is made up of our mind, our will, our intellect. He says, I want to give you rest in your soul. Again, you think about what's going on in the world, and we can look at, man, you can say, look at the news. Man, there's the war in Ukraine, and inflation is going up, and gas prices are going up, and all these things are going up, and we can look around and be like, man, what's going to happen? We're not sure what's going to happen to our job, what's going to happen to our retirement, what's going to happen in the next coming year, what's going to happen to our country, what's going to happen? I mean, there's, there's so many things that the world tries to throw at us to get us to, to, to worry and to fret and to wonder and, and, and just to be confused, but yet God says, I want to give you rest for your soul not just rest for your spirit but rest for your soul as well just as just as much as we can know when we put our faith and trust in jesus christ we can have absolute confidence to know when i take my last breath i'll be in the presence of the lord jesus christ just that same confidence he says i want you to have that in your soul as well 
I want you to be able to have that on a daily basis in living your life to have that rest. Watch what he says. Because here is where the struggle really begins. To have rest in our soul. You know, not many Christians have rest in their soul. And that's unfortunate. Because this is what he wants. This is what he offers. But yet even those who have rest in their spirit do not have rest in their soul. Would you like to know why? Why is it that so many Christians do not have rest? Why is it that we cannot really just have that peace in our life? Why is it that we're so worried about health and finances and all these different things? Why can't we have that rest that he offers? Here's why. The secret to perfect rest is complete surrender. The secret to rest is complete surrender in Christ. To give up your whole life to him. Think about what he says here in verse number 29. Take my yoke upon you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I want to control your life. I want to be in control. That yoke was what they would put on the oxen as they were going to take them out to the field to plow. They would put that yoke upon them to be able to control them. And he says, I want to be able to control your life. You know what you have to do to have rest? You have to give up your life. You have to give up your plans, your desires, your ambitions, and to be able to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He doesn't just want to control you. He wants to teach you. Isn't that amazing? Jesus wants to teach us. The creator of the universe wants to teach us. I, I'd sign up for that class, right? I mean, man, the creator of the universe, he's going he's gonna to offer a course 101 and whatever. Sign me up. He says, I want to teach you. How does he teach us? He teaches us through his word. He teaches us through his word. And this is why so many Christians do not have rest. Because we don't have time for his word. We don't want to get into his word. We don't want to study it and really find out what he has for us. We don't want to sit and take time for him to teach us. We want to know everything now, right? God, give me peace now. God, give me, give me grace now. God, give me patience now. Give me these things now. Give me love now. Give me joy now. God says, no, 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 no. I need to teach you. I need to teach you. I wonder, those of you that read through John chapter 15, and and thank you for doing that, but I wonder, did we read it just to read it, to be able to raise our hand and say, oh, yep, I I figured pastor was going to ask if we read it, so I wanted wanted to read through it so I could be able to raise my hand, or did we really read it to learn from it? When, we, when it's time to, to read our Bibles on a daily basis, number one, do we even do that on a daily basis? And number two, if we do, are we really taking the time to, to learn from him and allow him to teach us? Or are we just reading through it to be able to say, oh, check that one off the list. Got that done today. See, we're not really taking time to let him teach us. He says, take my yoke upon you. I want to control you. Learn of me. I want to teach you. He wants to lead us. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says, I want to lead you in your life. I want to be in control. 
Uh, look, I'll be, I'll be very honest with you. Um, I hate being in a car where I am not the driver. I just, I, if I'm in the car, I want to be driving. Um, that's, that's just me. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a backseat driver, but I'm one of those that's over on the side of somebody else's driving. I'm like, my foot's going through the floorboard, you know, thinking like brakes, 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 come on, brakes, you know, turn, turn, come on, look, nope, nope, come on. I, that's just me. I, I've got to be in control, right? I, I'm just that type of person. You know, my, my wife, she'll, um, she'll come and, uh, if, if I'm talking with someone, they'll, she'll get the kids in the van or whatever, and everybody's ready and she'll, she'll drive up, you know, she'll drive across the parking lot and come up to the door to pick me up. She's such a, a wonderful lady. That's why we've been married for 22 years. It's because of her, right? It's all because of her. Um, and, uh, she's just, she is such a blessing. Um, but, uh, you know, she'll come pick me up and she'll be sitting in the driver's seat door and I'll, I'll come out the, I'll come out the doors here for the church and I'll see her sitting and I'll just stand by the door. She's like, you don't want me to drive? No, I don't want you to drive. I want to drive. It's five miles to the house, but I want to drive. I want to be in control, right? Um, we, we, a couple weeks ago, we went on uh, a little vacation with our family. And as we were driving down the interstate, the girls were like, Dad, you should let us drive. You, you've got, you, we've got our driver's licenses. You should, you should just like get, sit over here and rest, you know, and read a book or something like that. You, you should do that. Uh, Dad, let us drive. Ask my girls how much time they drove on our vacation. I have to be in control. And some of you are like that. You've got to be the one driving, right? But you know that every single one of us are like that in our lives. We have to be in control. And that's why this is so hard to abide in him. Because to abide in him, he must be in control. We don't, want to, we don't want to give up control. We want to be the one in control. And Jesus says, no, no, you have to take my yoke upon you. You have to learn of me. You have to let me lead. You have to let me control. You have to let me guide you. But he wants us to do this so that he can offer this rest for our life. And again, this is where the real problem lies. We don't want to give up to him. We don't want to yield control to him. We want to stay in control. So how do we do this? How do we have this rest for our soul? Well, this is, this is really what John 15 is all about. Abiding in Christ. This is the second invitation. Just as the, the first invitation is for those who have, for, for anyone, the first invitation to come is for any person, but the second invitation is only for those who have put their faith in Christ. If you've never put your faith in Christ, the first invitation is open to you. Come unto me. But if you are sitting here this morning, you say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. I know that that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. There's no doubt about it. Then here's the second invitation. The second invitation is this. It's the invitation to stay. To stay. Watch what he says. John chapter 15. Abide in me. Abide in me. Again, he's talking to his disciples. He's, he's on the road. They're on the road from that upper room to, to Gethsemane where he's going to be arrested. And just a short hours, few hours time later, he's going to be crucified. And he says, abide in me. What does it mean to abide? 
The word abide means to remain. It means to stay. It means to reside. To live in. The first invitation to come is a permanent call. It's a permanent invitation. It's not just an invitation for salvation and then we get to go live however we want to live. It's not just, hey, you can come and get what you want out of me and then just go do whatever you want to do. No, no, no. That's not what the invitation is about. The invitation is to come and then when we come to him, now the invitation is stay. Stay with him. Now, please understand, I'm going to be using a word here in a moment that I I don't want to cause confusion. Please understand, we believe that when a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, they can never lose their salvation. Because again, remember, when we get saved, Jesus Christ comes to live in us. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But I'm going to be using a word here in just a moment. And I I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm going to be using a word. The word is leave. We're going to be to leave. And I do not want you to misunderstand. I don't want you to think that when I say the word leave, that somehow we're leaving our salvation. We're walking away from our salvation or we're losing our salvation. No, 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 friend. Not at all. Not at all. Let me give you an example. So there are some... Even some here in, in, in our church and some in Ohio and many all around the United States are what they call snowbirds, right? Everybody know what a snowbird is? None of, two of you know what a snowbird is. Wow, this is great. Two of you. Some of you are asleep already? Come on now. I mean, that's, everybody knows what a snowbird is, right? It's over the wintertime, they, they leave and they go south where it's warmer. And that's a pretty smart idea, right? I mean, that's pretty smart, right? Now, when they leave... Now, they have a house maybe here in Ohio or wherever it's going to be, but when they leave, their house is still here, right? They still have a house, okay? They're just, they have just left to go to a warmer place for a short time, and then they're planning on coming back, right? All of us leave our houses, but yet they are still our houses, right? Some of you do it on a daily basis. Some of you get up in the morning, you, you eat breakfast or have a cup of coffee, and then you leave your house and you go to work, right? Now, does that mean that the house no longer belongs to you because you left it? No, it's still yours. You're just not there in it, right? You left to go to work or you leave to go to the grocery store. You leave to go to work or to, to go to school, whatever. But it's still yours, right? So don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. When I say that we're leaving, don't think that somehow we're, we're, we're losing it, that it's not ours anymore. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But this is what happens, Okay? Jesus says we are to abide in him. It means we are to stay. We are to reside. So now that we're saved, what are we to do? Now that we have accepted that invitation to come, what are we to do? And this is what he's saying. Abide. Stay. Remain here. Don't just do whatever you want. Just as when we accepted the invitation to come, he comes to dwell in us and will never leave us, so he invites us to never leave him. I like the way that Andrew Murray put it. He said this, Who would, after seeking the king's palace, be content to stand in the door when he is invited in to dwell 
in the king's presence. Think about that. Who would, after seeking the king's palace, be content to stand in the door when he is invited in to dwell in the king's presence? Man, we've sought the the king and he said, all right, I'm the king and we found his palace. And he says, I want you to dwell in here. I don't want you to stay at the door. I want want you to experience all that I have. I want you to to dwell here. I want you to be able to eat the food and and everything that goes within the palace. That's for you. I want you to experience all of that. And we just say, "Uh, no, I think I'll just stand out here by the door. That person would be a fool. He would be a fool. When the king says, no, please come in. I have all of this for you. I have all these blessings. I, I, I have this for you. This is what I want you to experience. And we say, no, no, thank you. I'm just, I'm just going to stay here at the door. And yet that is what so many Christians do. We come to the door of the palace. We come to the king's palace and we accept him as our savior. We say, yes, he is my king. And the king says, please come in. Abide in my presence. Please come in. I have this for you. I have a plan for your life. I have something wonderful for you to experience. And we say, no, thank you. I'll just stay at the door. And unfortunately, there are many Christians who are living foolish lives. Because instead of entering into the palace and enjoying what the king has for us, we remain at the door and say, no, thank you. And we do not abide in his presence. Friend, you and I have been invited in. We are invited into his presence. He says, abide in me. He offers it to us to stay. But he will not force you. It must be your choice. You choose whether you will stay in his presence or whether you will leave. You choose whether he will control your life and whether he will teach you, whether he will lead you, or whether you will allow someone else to lead you. Something else to control you. Someone else to teach you. You make that decision. We have to understand that abiding in him does take time. It's not a quick fix. Abiding is something that we must do every day. Every day I must be in his word. Every day I must be walking with him. Because if I'm not allowing him to rule, to teach, and to lead, then I am leaving him. Again, do not misunderstand. He is not leaving me. I have not lost my salvation. But he invites me into his presence. He invites me to abide in him. But I say, you know what? I don't think so. I I have my plans. I have what I want to do for my life. I'm going to follow my job. I'm going to follow my career. I'm going to let someone else tell me that they know what is better for my life than the one who created me. And we leave him. But you know what he says? Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. He says, come back. Come back. Stay. I don't want you to leave. I want you to remain in my presence. And and it's interesting, and I know many of you can attest to this. When we are abiding in him, when we stay and let him rule and teach and lead us, we have that perfect rest in him, don't we? 
We've experienced it before. We can look back in our life and we can know, man, there were times, man, it just seemed like I was so close to the Lord, right? There were times that I felt like I was just, man, I was just in his presence. I was there with him. I was letting him rule. I was letting him control. I was letting him teach me. And it was, it was so good. It was so wonderful. And then what happened? We got our eyes off of him and we got our eyes off of something else and we walked away from him. And what do we find? That peace begins to be missing. That rest is no longer there. Things begin to unravel and everything becomes a mess and we wonder why. And then we look like, I've left him. I'm not abiding in him. I haven't remained. I haven't stayed with him. I have left him. We all do it. Every single one of us has done that. Every single one who knows Christ as their Savior, we've experienced that abiding rest in him, but every one of us has left as well. Because we start listening to our flesh. We start listening to the world. We start thinking that the world has more to offer than what he does. We start listening to our flesh, and again, our flesh wants to be in control. Our flesh says, well, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily understand what God is doing here, so because I don't understand it, then I'm not going to trust God. I'm just going to do what, what I think is best for my life. And he offers an invitation. Stay. Stay. You don't have to leave. He will never force you to leave. We are the ones that choose to leave. We choose to leave. But he wants us to stay. As he's, as he's walking to his own death, he says, abide in me. Stay. Why? Because only he can provide that rest for your soul. Only he knows what is truly best for our life. That's why he says, abide, stay, remain. So then why don't we have it all the time? Why don't we have that rest? Why don't we have that peace? It's because so often we choose to leave. We think we can rule our own lives. We allow someone else to teach us. We allow something else to lead us and we find no rest in it. This is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Jesus says if we truly want to follow him, if we truly want to be that disciple, we must deny ourselves. That's denying our plans, our ideas, whatever we think that we think is right. We say, you know what, Lord, I I can't lead. I can't control as much as my flesh wants to control, as much as I want to be in control of my life. Lord, I know that I don't know what is best. And so, God, I'm going to take my hands off. And Lord, you're in control. Lord, I'm going to take my hands off. And I want you to teach me. Lord, I'm going to take my hands off and I'm going to let you rule in my life. And what do we begin to find? We begin to find that we are back in his presence. Abiding in him. Experiencing that rest and that peace that only comes in his presence. That only comes 
when we abide in him. Because he is the only one who can give you that rest. He is the only one who can give you that peace. Imagine this. He is going to his death And yet he is so at peace with what is going to happen that he's able to be more concerned about you and me than he is about himself. If that was any of us, it would be just the opposite. We'd be more concerned about ourselves than anyone else. And yet he says, I want you to abide in me. I'm going to abide in you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Will you abide in me? Will you stay in me? Will you trust me? And here's, what, here's, here's the problem. You see, not only is abiding, does it take time, but abiding is not striving. We think we have to try to work for this rest. We try to work for it. We try to think by doing something, that's where we're going to have this rest. Again, just think about it. If I'm working for something, then am I resting? I'm not resting. I'm working. He says, the rest is offered freely. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. He says, I want to give you this rest but it only comes through him. It only comes by abiding in him. Too many are striving for that rest and peace in Christ. They're thinking that the pleasures of the world will satisfy, that money will satisfy, that that the things that the world offers and, and all of these things will bring satisfaction. And God says, no, none of those things will bring satisfaction. None of those things will bring rest to you. It's only by abiding in him. We can do nothing for that rest. Just as we could do nothing for salvation but simply accept the offer, we can do nothing for the rest he offers but simply to abide in him. As we choose to remain in him, we experience rest. It's like if you have children... You may understand what I'm saying here, but you ever had a child that's just really, really tired? I mean, just really tired, and you know they just, need to, they just need to go to sleep. They're just so tired, they're worn out. And you pick them up, and you try to hold them, and what do they want to do? They want to fight you. They want to fight. They want to fight. They want to squirm. They want to wiggle. They want to do whatever. But as you just hold on to them, and as they stop, fighting guess what begins to happen they begin to relax and their eyes start to close don't close your eyes right now (laughs) their eyes start closing and they fall asleep but it was only when they stopped fighting that they could experience rest Friend, you and I as Christians will never experience the rest that he has for us until we stop fighting. Until we just say, Lord, I'm done fighting. I don't want to be in control anymore. I want to rest in you. Lord, you're in control. 
You lead my life. You guide me. And you know what we find? When we stop fighting and we start abiding in his presence, there's a rest and a peace that comes, the Bible says, that passeth all understanding. And it only comes through him. I wonder with her heads bowed and her eyes closed, with no one looking about this morning. Friend, maybe you're here today and you've never accepted that first invitation to come. You've been trying, maybe by going to church. Maybe you got baptized. You're trying to be a good person. And you think that by doing those things that hopefully that will make God happy enough that he'll accept you. Friend, those things cannot cannot work. Jesus says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Friend, are you absolutely certain today that if today you took your last breath, are you certain that you would be with the Lord Jesus Christ? You say, Pastor, well, I hope so. No, 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 that's not, that's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking a hope so. Are you absolutely certain because if not friend if not Jesus says come to me his invitation is open to you to come maybe there's somebody here this morning you say pastor that's me I'm not sure if I die today I'm not sure where I would go but I would like to accept Jesus' invitation to come. Friend, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I would like to pray for you today. If you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure, but I would like to accept that invitation to come. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking around. Just me. Slip your hand up, put it right back down. God bless you. Someone else, a pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I took my last breath today where I would be. Pastor, I want to accept that invitation that Jesus offers to come. Just slip your hand up, put it right back down. Someone else, pastor, pray for me. And Christian, you say, Pastor, I know I've accepted that invitation then the second invitation is to stay. To stay, to abide in Him. Christian, are we abiding in Him? You say, oh, Pastor, I remember times where I have been in His presence, but I know right now I am not. I remember there are times when I have had that sweet fellowship with Him, but I know that's not the case now. You say, Pastor, I know I need to abide in Him. 
I need to yield control of my life to Jesus. It's not my life, not my plans. I'm going to trust Him. And I want to abide in Him. You say, Pastor, that's me. I want to abide in Him. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. God spoke to my heart this morning. Pray for me. I want to abide in Him. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Many hands. The Christian, here's the thing. God's not going to force you to. It must be your choice. Will you make the choice today? Father, I pray that you'd work in the invitation now. Lord, for this one or two that may not know Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray today they would make that decision to come to Jesus. Lord, for Christians who've raised their hands, you've spoken to their heart. Lord, they they know they need to abide in you. Lord, would they make that decision to abide in your presence every day making that decision to abide in you. Father, would you work in the invitation now? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.